Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor, Michael Norman. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. Will you guys say what they are saying that we often say with me today? Today is a good day. Are you ready? But I want before we say it, I want you to say it like you mean it. Are you ready? Today Sounds good. Today is a good day that this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm glad to be here with you today. And honestly, I've got to be a little honest. I feel very, very passionate about the topic that we're going to talk about today. I feel very passionate, but I also feel a little under ready to deliver it. I don't know if I've ever said that in a sermon, but I think part of it is you feel so passionate about something, you want it to be perfect, right, Christopher? You want it to be just perfect, and so you're just going to have to bear with me today as I work through kind of this passion in my heart uh, and covering a couple of passages and talking about uh, our, our topic for today. In 1886, Florida was hit by a massive freeze. And what happened is, is it damaged their orange crops and it damaged a lot of the, the, uh, the citrus that was there. And so that was then a low business year for many of the farmers and landowners. And then out of that, some of the cheap land became available and some men by the name of Sidney and Joshua Chase used kind of this, dern, uh, this turn down, this down moment in the economy to buy some discounted land just southwest of Orlando. And the brothers called it Illsworth, which was basically a, an abbreviation of the Isle of Worth. And the reason it was called that is because those trees survived the deep snap of, of weather, the cold snap of weather, and they were, you know, it had great worth and they produced big crops. But even those guys, they never could dream or imagine what that property would become today. Now, if you go to Illsworth or Islesworth, that it is one of the most exclusive communities where athletes and actors live. It is in, totally gated. And in fact, as you look it up, according to one website, it was said it's a status of, it's a symbol of status and grandeur to live in this neighborhood. It's got one of the elite golf courses in all of America, considered one of the longest and most difficult courses. It is this beautiful, wonderful, comfortable place to live. And as I was reading about that this week, I really began to think about that in context of the church. That so many times as Christians, it is easy for us to grow comfortable inside of our own little gated communities on Sunday. The places where we worship together and we fellowship our churches. But we need to really understand in this whole concept of feeling comfortable within our own gated community, so to speak, we need to understand that there is a lost and desperate world outside of us that needs Jesus. Now, the reason we gather inside of our gates here is because of for spiritual rest and for worship and to practice our calling, and to celebrate what God has last done since we gathered together. I want to pause right here. I love the idea that sometimes we come in and we feel like it's a refuge and it's a recharging station. I love that. 
But I'd love even more the thought of us coming together already charged up, already celebrating Jesus, already full of God, already full of the Spirit, and that we come back in here to service, not just to get recharged because we came already charged, and we come to celebrate what God has been doing in our lives over the last seven days since we gathered before. Does that make sense? Instead of it just like, oh, I've got to eke into church and I've got to, I've got to just survive the week. Oh, I've just stumbled in and I'm barely making it. No, that we come and you know what? I'm ready to go. And this is simply launching me out to another week of fulfilling God's will for my life. This is a launching point, not just a, oh, it was, I mean, it was the last step I could take in the desert to get here today. But we come together and we worship and we recharge and we fellowship and we celebrate and we prepare for the challenges uh, outside of these walls. And so this is to be a refuge. And after all, the church is our home base this side of eternity. And so it's nice to be home and to fellowship and to praise and to worship and to learn and enjoy and to do all of those things that happen within the context of Christian community and the body of Christ. That's wonderful. All those things are good. Uh, They really are. But, but, someone once said, the gospel isn't something we come to church to hear. It's something we go from church to tell. So I want us to capture that again. The gospel isn't something that we come to church to hear. It's something that we go from church for us to tell. That that is the call of God for our lives is to go from here and to tell it. And I want to say this before we go any further with that statement in mind, that everyone goes somewhere. Everyone goes somewhere in life as a missionary. Now, we tend to focus on those who this past fall, that a family of five left from our church, that they were in the secular field and went to be full-time career missionaries in Thailand. We tend to focus on them. We tend to focus on the, the one that left and started a new campus ministry out of our church. We tend to focus on the one that went and left a veterinary practice to be a missionary in Bolivia. We tend to focus on those, and, and sometimes rightfully so, since this is a, a very biblical principle of launching them out, to where it's a biblical model of funding and sending, to where someone goes, someone funds, someone prays, that's, that there is a very biblical model in that. So we focus on that, and it's a very biblical thing, but everyone goes somewhere. And so everyone goes somewhere. So some of you, you go to downtown Dallas every day for your mission with your job. Some of you go to Richardson every day with the mission of your job. Some to Plano with the mission of your job. Some to the PTA meeting monthly. Some to coach T-ball. Others go other places. But every one of us is called to go somewhere. Amen? There's a story that I've been reading with my small group over the last month. We meet every other Wednesday night and we've been reading a book called Chasing Daylight and out of that book, it talks about the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. 
And this is a powerful, powerful story. And it's something that, that really, in some ways, is counterintuitive. In fact, this is the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And it would have been easy for Jonathan, who was the king's son, to sit back and to be comfy and to be safe and to be guarded and to be protected and to be lazy. It would have been incredibly easy for Jonathan just to sit back and to chill out because if there's no battle, there's no risk, and he could just enjoy life. Now, King Solomon, just a chapter before, had made a mistake, had been been, been scolded by the prophet of the day, that he had sacrificed when that wasn't his place nor his job. He panicked, and early he did something that wasn't what he was supposed to do. Now, when he's supposed to be going to battle, he's living with a little bit of pout or fear or anxiety or a combination. You know how all that goes. And he's laying underneath a pomegranate tree with 600 men around him, living really in fear. In fact, what had happened is that the children of Israel, the army of Israel, that they're afraid and that they're hiding in caves. Their king's laying under a pomegranate tree and it's there's nothing going on. And in that moment, it would have been easy for the king's son, Jonathan, just to chill out, take it easy, and to relax. That would have been the easiest thing for him to do. But instead, he stepped out to face the enemy. He called his armor bearer, and they moved forward together. Now, if you have your Bibles, or if you have your uh, sheets, or you can follow on the screens, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 14. I'll give you just a moment to get there because there's several verses that I want us to read together as a church. 1 Samuel chapter 14. Beginning in verse 1, it says this. On day 1, Jonathan, son of uh, Saul, said to his young armor bearer, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell us, Father, Saul was staying at the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men. No one was aware that Jonathan left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost, there was a cliff. One cliff stood north towards Michmash and the other uh, south towards Geba. Jonathan and his young armor bearer let's go, or said to him, let's go over to the other outposts of these uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf because nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. So the context here is that the army that had gathered against them was, is, was giant. I mean, it gives an analogy in the chapter before that there's this giant army and there's just a couple of, several hundred or a couple of thousand of the Israelites. And so there's this giant army and he's saying, hey, let's go over there and fight. And even if it's just you and me, there's nothing that can stop the Lord from saving us, whether it's a lot of us or a few of us, there's nothing that can stop the Lord from saving us. Isn't that an amazing mentality that he's operating out of? That he is operating out of this this mentality and he's saying that if God is for us, then who can be against us? He's operating out of this proclamation mentality of saying that we're going to go there and God can save us whether it's just us two or whether it's our whole army. If God is with us, then who can be against us? He's, uh, he's saying that if God is with us, then who can stand against us? He's not saying, oh, Lord, can you give me a sign? Oh, you gave me a sign. Can you give me another sign? Oh, you gave me a, can you give me a 13th sign, God? 
oh, God, God, you answered it this time, but I didn't know. I'm, not, I'm a little nervous, so can you give me a 14th sign? I mean, I'll really believe it if you give me a 14th sign. No, he's saying if God is with us, who can be against us? We're moving forward. That his posture was not defensive. His posture was not leaning back. He was leaning in, leaning into God, trusting that God was going to lead them. And then it says this in verse 7. And I want, to, I want just to capture this in context of today. In context that there are two leaving our congregation today to go overseas. And so I want you to listen to this. Then the armor bearer looked at Jonathan and said, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you heart and soul. You capture what happens there? I love this. What he's saying is basically, what he's showing is everyone is needed. Everyone who goes has a team. Today, we are playing a part in sending someone out. Today, we're playing a part in sending someone out to fulfill God's call for their life, God's call for their, for, for, that will help advance the kingdom of God, and we are a part in sending someone out. So someone goes, someone sends. Someone goes, someone funds. Someone goes, someone prays that there is a partnership that happens with this, that we're in this together as the body of Christ. And though we're go- someone goes and someone sins and someone goes and someone funds, that doesn't excuse us from going to our location. So you say, well, who's going to fund me? Well, you're funded. The point is someone's going to pray for you. So what happens is in my small group, there's someone that I've been trying to share my faith with and trying to tell them about Jesus and show the love of God, someone who doesn't claim Christ. And I have my small group praying for me that one, hey, this week I'm talking to so-and-so. Can you pray for me this week? So I'm going and someone is praying and I'm going and someone is, is lifting me up in prayer as we share the gospel and advance the cause of Christ. So there's a partnership, so someone's going and we're sending, but in the same way as you go, developing a, a small group around you that they'll pray for you. They know what you're about to do this week. They know what the challenges you face, and they're praying for you as you send out and launch out into your mission into the world. I love it. The armor bearer says, hey, I'm with you. You're going, and I'm going with you. Whatever's in your heart, I'm with you, heart and soul. So let's read the, next, the rest of the passage together. Teamwork, going, sending, praying, helping. And then Jonathan says, come on then, we'll cross over towards them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait here, we'll come down to you, we'll stay here uh, where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we'll climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord is going to give them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. So again, the king's hiding under a pomegranate tree, laying in the shade, 600 men guarding him. Much of the rest of the army is hiding in caves to where it would be hard to go in. They could pick them off one at a time as they're outnumbered. And so they're just going to wait them out. And now here comes these two guys walking out in visual sight. And here's what they said. It says, look, the Hebrews were crawling out of their holes where they were hiding. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. You know what they're really saying, right? Come up here and we're going to execute you. Come up here and we're going to kill you. We'll teach you a lesson. 
So Jonathan and his armor bearer, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet with the armor bearer right behind him. I want you to notice that this isn't the soundest military action that we've ever seen. This isn't the wisest military strategy by any means. Okay, they have the high ground. They're outnumbering us. And so instead of being stealthy in guerrilla warfare, we're going to come out and just say, what's up, guys? How are you doing? And so they said, you know what? Why don't you come up here and we'll teach you a lesson? So again, not the wisest strategy. Instead of getting them down where they're on level ground, they're chasing someone else to the high ground, so much so that he's climbing up with both his hands and his feet to where his sword has to be put away, either in the sheath on his back or put in at his side, that he's having to climb up. This is not the wisest military strategy. This is not the safe action. This is not the comfortable call. This is something where he is saying, God is with us. I'm working from this advanced mentality that God is calling us forward. He's calling us to live and to move forward. And so what we see with him, with him, his mentality is basically knees flexed, arms ready, shield ready to go. His, he, is, he is with this advanced mentality that I am leaning in, leaning forward, ready to advance. And I want you to understand today that God wants you to live that same way. Legs flexed, arms ready, everything leaning in, moving forward, ready to advance because God has got a call upon your life as well. And he's calling us to live leaning in, preparing to advance. I want us to understand that God is with you and God is for you and God is helping, helping you and God is empowering you and God is going before you, that God is making a way for you, that God is with you. That we don't live with a God who set the earth into motion and then kind of took his hands off. No, we serve a God who created, <sighs> breathed life into us, and now he's leading us and guiding us. He sent his Holy Spirit to lead us. He says, when I go, a comforter is coming. He's saying you can live with this advanced mentality. You can live uh, thinking forward and leaning in because I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm preparing a way for you that I love you, that I am on your side. And so we all have this call to move forward. But sometimes all of us in this room, all of us in this room, we miss our chance because sometimes we're, we're waiting for a sign. Does God want me to move forward? What's the sign? God, if you want me to do this, God. And so we're waiting for this sign. We're, call, we're asking the Lord, what do I do? And we miss our chance. But I want to tell you that without doubt, we know from Scripture, God is calling you to move forward in your support of missions. God is calling you to move forward in your support of missionaries. But he's also calling you to be a missionary in the mission field of your life. Does that make sense? That everyone in here is a missionary, the rest of it's just a matter of geography. Oh, wait, hold on. I mean, I need to say that one again. 
Every one of you in here is called to be a missionary. It's just a matter of geography. Lake Highlands, East Dallas, Lakewood, Plano, Richardson, Mesquite, overseas. It's just a matter of geography. That God is calling us to do these things. And so what if we operated with the spiritual heartbeat, the spiritual mindset of, hey, I am going to move forward and I'm going to share my faith and I'm going to love my neighbor and I'm going to invite and I'm going to tell of the good news, the gospel of Jesus. I'm not going to come here and just hear it. I'm going to go out and tell it that what if we just operate, I'm going to do that unless God tells me not to. That I am going to be a missionary in my community, in my neighborhood, unless God tells me not to do those things. What if we lived our life that way and we spent Monday through Saturday on mission and then came in here celebrating what God had done in our life in the, in the seven days since we had last met? How powerful would that be? This next passage that I want to talk about is this. First of all, the passage we're going to read, it, it, it helps give us direction. I love knowing my job description or my task. I love knowing my lane so that I can run hard in my lane. Scroggins says it this way, I want to know what fi- field I'm supposed to plow. I love knowing my lane because when I know my lane, I can work smart, I can work hard, I can work long, I can rest, and then I can go back and run in my lane again. And the thing I love about this next passage is this, is that it very clearly tells us what our lane is to run in. And as we gather at Grace Hill, we honor God. As we gather at Grace Hill, we worship the Lord. We prepare ourselves for another week's of ministry. But then we also need to remember these words as we do that. And in Matthew 28, 18, it says this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. This is Jesus speaking. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we see here, he's saying, go, make disciples, baptize those you've won, teach them to obey God, and God is with you. So why go to a sensitive country? Why not go if that's God's call for our life? Why send my daughter at 18 years old? Why would I I not send her if this is God's call for her life? Why share my faith in the office place? Why not share your faith? Why leave and go to Thailand for a family from our church? Why not go there if this is God's call for our life? Because God never called us to comfort. He called us to obedience. And he never called us to be risk-free. He called us to be obedient. Why not go? Someone else will tell, it's not my job. I'll fund or I'll pray or I'll give good thoughts. It's a you know, very cultural thing. Oh, I'm praying for you. Really, I'm thinking about you, you know, once in a while. I'm not really praying, I'm thinking. Thinking is thinking, praying is praying. Two very different things, by the way. We can never, by sending, say that it's not our responsibility to do missions work in, here in our, in our location. 
And I love the Great Commission because with the Great Commission, there comes a great direction and a great promise. And there's four things that I want to cover relatively quickly as we uh, finish out. Or we're not finishing out. I'm not. I'd be fibbing to tell you that. I'm going to preach some more. There's four things I want us to go through as we do. Number one, first thing that we see is we see his power and his authority. Number one is his power. So I want you to notice how he parsed his words and he says, all authority has given to, been given to me. Therefore, because of all, I have all this power, you go. I love that. He says, I have all the power now and you go because you're doing it in me. And so the implication is clear is that as we go with his message, that we'll have his power and his authority in our lives. So just a few days ago, I heard a guy speak and he was a guy that he said growing up that he was a fan of the, a fan of the rock band, the Eagles. Anybody know that band? It's not necessarily my favorite band, but huge, iconic American band. And so he says that he grew up, and he grew up being a fan of theirs, and he said he knew the lead singer's first band. He knew the lead singer's first girlfriend. He knew the lead singer's first song. He knew that when he joined the Eagles, he knew, I mean, their tour dates, and every time they were within a drivable distance, he bought tickets, and he went to the concerts, and he said, like, everything. He knew everything about this guy, had every tape they'd ever put out, every VA or 8-track, whatever, I mean, he had all that stuff. I don't even, you know, A-tracks were even pre-me. But not you, right, Yolanda? I'm just playing. We're the same age. I'm actually older. But he said he knew everything about them. And he said, then one day he's on his way to college and he gets a call from his sister when she, when he gets there and she says, Hey, just so you know, I've been set up on a date with the lead singer of the Eagles, a blind date. And the guy was like, I'm so jealous. I want to go on a hangout with the lead singer of the Eagles. And it ends up that they start dating and they get serious and they're at a, at a family gathering at the holidays and the lead singer leans over to him and says, Hey, I just want you to know, we, we really would like for you to be a groomsman when the wedding happens. He's like, you're getting married? Yeah, and he was so excited because now this guy, his icon, his legend, was moving into his family. And he says, no longer do I have to go online to get tickets. No longer did I have to wait to get tickets. He goes, I don't even sit in the nosebleeds anymore. I get in the motorcade and we eat at this house and then we go to the concert. He says, it's amazing. The police drive in front of you. They drive behind you. They block off roads for you and that you get to go down roads backwards. The police would jump curbs. You would jump curbs and you drive in underneath the stadium and then the bodyguards get out and they usher you to the, the green room, waiting in the green room. He said, I'm getting to hang out with the lead singer and with the band and everything that he gets, I'm getting. He said, I would go the first time I'm there and they have fajitas before every show. He goes, I'm eating the fajitas and someone walks up and goes, sir, are you, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, I'm with him. Oh, oh. Enjoy. And he goes, I would. I would enjoy. And then he says, like, he would sit on the edge of stage right behind the curtains watching. And someone would go, hey, 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 sir, you're a little too close. Hey, hey, I'm with him. Oh, you will do whatever you want, sir. 
And he says, you know, he said, he said, I didn't, I, he, the day they opened up Mile High Stadium with the con, that concert, that was the first event in the brand new stadium, that they're not waiting, sitting in the nosebleeds, that he's on stage, not because of who he was, but who he was connected to. In the same way that as we go and we share our faith, it's not because of our gift of persuasion or because of our intellect or because of our wit or because of any of that. It's because who we are connected to in Jesus Christ. That, oh, hey, what are you doing? Hey, it's not me. It, it's him. Hey, 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 okay, you've got his authority and his, okay. You see what I'm saying? That it's not because we're the smartest or the brightest or the sharpest, or even if we were, we can't affect eternity outside of the strength that God has working in us and through us because everyone is called somewhere and you have the authority to do it through Christ. That's our authority. The same power that he was given is that we have that as well. Jesus has called us to go somewhere and to bring his authority with us as he's working in us. He made it even clearer in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And for me, this is great comfort when I'm sharing my faith. It's great comfort if you want to know the truth in my preaching and in my personal conversation that I can realize I can flub it up, I can botch it, I can, I can stutter along, I can think I failed, but because the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work, he has a way of using the verses of the Bible. He has a way of using our, our limited expression in a way to affect other people's heart because it is his power, God's power. It's his authority. It's his anointing. It's his presence. And the word of God will not return void. Amen? And so we can walk in his power. It's spirit-anointed word. It's his power, his authority. The second thing that we see in the Great Commission is we see that it's his purpose. That we have this, after his power, we see this clear statement that it's his purpose for the church to make disciples of all nations. It's our job to make disciples. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit, God saves. It's our job to tell, but basically our job is to go and to make disciples, to share it, to teach, to love, to include, to bring in. And then not only that, there's this little phrase here tagged on at the end that he says, doesn't say go make disciples of the Jews or those in Jerusalem. He says, we're going to make disciples of all nations. And so I want something to be incredibly clear to this congregation today, that we are going to be a church that sends to all people and a church that is full of all people. In our church, there are 10 nations of origin, and I promise you there is room for 10 more and 100 more and 1,000 more, and we are going to reflect our community. That is a core value here. Now let me get this tell you this. this is, there's a statement that says, hey, I hope we get to the day to where we don't even notice skin color. I hope we get to the day. And I just want to tell you that that's, I think, well-intentioned, but it's just junk. You're never not going to realize that I have light-complected you're never going to not realize that I have a beard. You're never going to not realize that I'm wearing a blue shirt or what. You're never going to, to not realize skin color. Here's the thing, that where it needs to be to the point to where it doesn't matter to us. Does that make sense? 
We're not going to be blind. It just That would ruin the creativity and the uniqueness of God's creation. You have blue eyes and you have black eyes and you have green eyes and you've got dark hair and you've got no hair and you've got red hair and you've got black hair and you've got, you know, you've got the whole mix. You've got gray hair. You know, as I've gotten older, it wasn't, uh, birthdays aren't a problem. The number's not a problem. When I started turning gray right here on the edges and in my beard, that's when it was a problem. And I went to a funeral on Friday and my mom looks at me with just such love. And my mom's a real nurturer and she just cuddles my face and goes, you're getting so much gray in your beard. (laughs) Thanks, mom. You see, we're going to notice those things, but it needs to be to the point where it doesn't matter those things. Does that, does that make sense? So we're going to be a, a church that sends to all nations, and we're going to be a church that read includes all nations. We're going to be a church that sends to all people, and we're going to be a church to all people. That in this church, we're going to have black, red and yellow, black and white, because everyone is precious in the sight of God. Make disciples of all nations. Third is not only do we see his power and we see his plan or his purpose, but we see number three is his plan. How do we do it? Jesus gave us three steps, going, baptizing, teaching. Literally, the, the translation would, would uh, the passage would translate like this. As you are going, make disciples by baptizing them and teaching them. The main purpose for us is to make disciples and the process is going, baptizing, teaching. And so we can say it this way, that we're to go and we're to win and we're to teach. We're to go, we're to win, and we're to instruct. That is the call of of God for our lives. So we're sending some overseas and we're sending some to downtown. We're sending some overseas and we're sending some to Sunnyvale. And we're sending some overseas and we're sending others to Richardson. So we are to go, we're to win, baptize those we win and we're to instruct that is the call of God upon our lives so we know our lanes and when you know our lanes we can run hard in those lanes is this making sense today so this is the 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 process or the plan for us is that we go we win we instruct and then number four says this it's his presence Jesus ends his great commissioning with a great promise that his Holy Spirit is going to be with us. That he is going, is assuring us that his presence is going to be with us day after day. And so as we draw on his power, as we adopt his purpose, as we implement his plan, then we're going to enjoy the presence of God in our lives. And it says this in Matthew 22 or 29 20, the ending here. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What an incredible promise for our lives. What an incredible promise for our lives. Tamara had that conversation this weekend with a pastor, and recently I had one as well. You guys know I get to travel and help be a part of planting churches all over the country. And I recently had someone say, hey, we're a large church and we've never sent anyone out. How have you seen 10 do it in 10 years? And here's what I told him, that we are always about fulfilling God's wills for our lives. So these folks were already doing it. It's just a matter that they changed their address. Does that make sense? 
they're already living on mission because everyone goes somewhere. And so it's just a matter of changing the address of where God calls you, whether it's Dallas or whether it's Bolivia, whether it's Dallas or whether it's a campus ministry across the country, that everyone is called to go somewhere. And the exciting thing for us is this, is that as if we as a congregation, we all had the mentality that we are going to flex our legs, have our arms ready, our shields drawn, that we are leaning forward into God, ready to advance. What an incredible, beautiful dynamic that we have in the unity of Christ, that if we're all living with that mentality, legs flex, arms ready to go, leaning into the presence of God, ready to move forward. What if every one of us, young and old, male and female, students in the next room over, our children, we taught them that to move forward, advance with this advanced mentality that if God is for us, who can be, I'm gonna share, I'm gonna go unless God tells me not to because God's spirit is with us. What if we as a church, we operated like that, the unity, the power, the the incredible dynamic of us moving forward together with God. Our sending potential, our going potential, our living it out potential would be incredible for the cause of Christ. Send, go, win, teach, everyone go somewhere. Today, I really believe that we can live with this advanced mentality. We can live with this moving forward mentality. I really believe that we can move, live with this legs flex, arms ready, uh, leaning forward into the presence of God because of his power, because of his purpose, because of his plan, and because of his presence. I really believe that we can live that way in our everyday lives because God is with us. God has already called us. I'm going to share my faith because God is with me. He'll have to tell me not to. Did you know that the Great Commission is not an inside job? The Great Commission is not something that we're just for here. We're called to go outside of our gates, outside of our walls, and to reach the world for the cause of Christ and advance his kingdom. Why go? Why risk? Why share? Why? Because the love of God is so amazing that we want everybody to know. Did you capture that? I mean, the love of God is so amazing that I want everyone to know. I want my neighbors, my family. I want my. I want everybody to know of the love of God because it's so amazing. And so why do we go? Because we want them to experience this incredible love as well. <coughs> Would you stand with me today? I want us to pray together as we close. Everyone goes somewhere. Where are you being sent today? Where are you being sent this week? Everyone goes somewhere. Father, today we thank you for the love of God that is so amazing. We thank you for the love of God that is so incredible that we want everyone to know. And that, Lord, in the Great Commission, you give us, Lord, a great plan and a great promise. You give us our lane to run in and so we can move forward and we can do so in confidence because of the power of God, the purpose of God, the presence of God, that we can go in confidence because you are with us. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to live, Lord, 
like Jonathan to where we were, our legs were flexed, leaning into the trust of God, ready to move forward with you. In fact, Lord, I pray that this week you would give us, Lord, divine appointments and opportunities to pray with someone, opportunities to comfort someone, opportunity to serve someone, opportunity to share our faith and the reason that we believe is the hope of Jesus, the hope of eternity, the opportunity for forgiveness and salvation. I pray that this week again, you'd give us opportunities to serve, to love, to give, to comfort, to share divine appointments, to invite so that people can know the love of God. Your hand is upon this congregation. You're calling every one of us to go somewhere for your cause. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc. 